This is the message from Connection Community Church for Sunday, October 24th, 2021. The Broken Road, Tamar, given by Pastor Barb Auer. Good morning. Welcome to Connection Church. Doesn't Barry do a great job with those videos? So I call this sermon, Promises Broken, Promises Kept. We're continuing the sermon series, The Broken Road, with the woman Tamar and her father-in-law, Judah. Three weeks ago, Carrie and Allen spoke about Hagar, a servant girl on the broken road, made pregnant by her master Abraham, Used and misused by both her mistress and master, she flees to the wilderness where God sees her in her despair and comforts her with the promise that by God's grace, Hagar's son would father an entire nation. That promise was fulfilled in the Muslim people. God had also promised that Abraham would father a nation through a son born of his barren wife, Sarah. And by God's power and grace, Sarah did indeed bear a son, Isaac, who would carry forward the promise of family and land that God had made to Abraham. Isaac, in the sermon two weeks ago, fathered Jacob and Esau by Rebekah, another woman on the broken road. It was through Rebekah and Jacob's conniving that Esau stole that Jacob stole Esau's birthright and blessing to become the one carrying God's promise. Then last week you heard about Jacob's wife Leah, another woman on the broken road, unloved by her husband and bitterly resented by his other wife, Rachel. Deceit, trickery, dysfunction, those seem to be the norms for this family. Each generation finds themselves in this web of lies. And yet God uses this family to further the continuing promise of family and land for his chosen. Between Leah and Rachel and their maidservants, Jacob fathers 12 sons, those whose families would become the 12 tribes of Israel. Jacob's family, though, was not a happy one. Have any of you ever experienced sibling rivalry in your families? <laughs> yeah. Have you seen families torn apart by siblings fighting over their inheritance? It's not a pretty sight. Just as previously Abraham had favored his son Esau, while Rebekah had favored Jacob, now Jacob favors Joseph and his younger brother, Benjamin. You remember Joseph, the coat of many colors that was given to him by his father? His brothers resented that favoritism, rightly so. And Jacob's, Joseph's dreams of becoming a ruler over them certainly did nothing to help the situation. But one day, they decide to get rid of him. 
Now, what happened to Joseph is a topic for another day. But here we begin to learn about the character of Judah, Joseph's older brother, and an understanding of the part he played in this story of Tamar. It was Judah who suggested selling Joseph into slavery. Judah said to his brothers, what will we gain if we kill our brother and cover up his blood? Really? They're looking for something to gain out of this? Come, let's sell him to the Ishmaelites and not lay our hands on him. After all, he is our brother, our own flesh and blood. His brothers agreed. Again, really? You're going to will him to sell him into slavery and not know whatever happens to him. But you don't want to. He's still your flesh and blood. Talk about sibling rivalry going too far. Although it was used by God to place his chosen people in Egypt where they could become a great nation. Our story of Tamar's broken road is found in chapter 38 of Genesis, the first book of the Bible. And it goes like this. At that time, Judah left his brothers and went down to stay with a man of Abdullam named Hira. There Judah met the daughter of a Canaanite named Shua. He married her, made love to her. She became pregnant and gave birth to a son who was named Ur. She conceived again gave birth to a son and named him Onan. She gave birth to still another son and named him Shelah. So Judah marries a Canaanite woman. Interesting. If you look back, you'll notice that first Abraham, then Isaac, then Jacob went back home to marry women connected to their ancestral family because it was considered wrong to marry a foreigner, i.e. a Canaanite. So Judah breaks away from his family and family tradition. And this is where we encounter Tamar. Judah got a wife for Ur, his firstborn, and her name was Tamar. But Ur, Judah's firstborn, was wicked in the Lord's sight, so the Lord put him to death. Now, that sounds totally wrong to us. God causing an individual's death. Usually God's intervention that leads to a death is reserved for moments when the whole future of God's people is at stake. But as we will find shortly, the future that God intends requires a different father for Tamar's children. So Tamar now is a childless widow. The custom in this case was for the brother of the deceased to fill the role of husband and give the widow children. That explains what we read in the next three verses. Then Jodah said to Onan, sleep with your brother's wife and fulfill her, your duty as her brother-in-law to raise up offspring for your brother. But Onan knew that the child would not be his. So whenever he slept with his brother's wife, he spilled his semen on the ground to keep from providing offspring for his brother. What he did was wicked in the Lord's sight. So the Lord put him to death also. 
You see, thinking of only his own interest, Onan doesn't want to give her sons in his brother's name. He would much rather keep her childless and eventually, upon his father's death, receive double the inheritance. So much for caring about your brother, or his widow, or your family honor. And so much for Onan, as God takes his life for disobedience. What a mess. So at this point, Tamar has no choice but to go to her father-in-law, Judah, about this unjust treatment. Now, Judah, remember, has a third son, but he's not yet old enough to marry Tamar. So Judah sends Tamar back to her father's house to live, promising that Selah, his third son, will marry her when he's old enough. But having lost two sons already, and fearing that it's something about Tamar that has caused their deaths, even when the younger son grows old enough, Judah still does not fulfill the law and give Tamar to him to wed. So Tamar finds herself with no rights and no recourse on the broken road. In her father's house, she has no inheritance rights and can't even have the freedom to remarry. Judah, who had sold his own brother into slavery, continues to care only for himself, his own sons, and their future, not the welfare of a mere woman or his obligation to her as a clan leader. The Daily Bible Study series says, as a childless widow, she, Tamar, could hardly have been more vulnerable in the society of the time. Only a child, preferably a son, would have given her standing and security. Yet her brother-in-law and her father-in-law had refused, in the cruelest possible manner, to give the minimal rights prescott prescribed for her by clan custom. A broken family, broken promises, the broken road. I know that some of you listening today have experienced the bitterness of deceit, betrayal, or unjust treatment. Though the specifics may not be the same, many people still disregard the rights of the vulnerable and those who have no power, even family members. What is one to do when they find themselves on the broken road? But Tamar, Tamar is no weeping Hagar sitting in the wilderness or Aaliyah vying for a husband's favor and children. She doesn't settle for this but takes the matter into her own hands and does what she has to do to provide an heir for her deceased husband and protection and support for herself. The New Interpreter's Bible says, having no recourse to the courts, remember she was a woman, she had no rights, she will move beyond the law to fulfill the law even at the cost of her honor and her life. So she waits for an opportunity to force Judah to address her unjust treatment. 
eventually Judah's wife dies and hearing that Judah is going to be traveling near her home, Tamar takes action. When Tamar was told, your father is on his way, father-in-law is on his way to Timnah to shear his sheep, she took off her widow's clothes, covered herself with a veil to disguise herself, and then sat down at the entrance to Enam, which is on the road to Timnah. For she saw that though Sheila had now grown up, she had not been given to him as his wife. When Judith saw her, he thought she was a prostitute, for she had covered her face. Not realizing that she was his daughter-in-law, he went over to her by the roadside and said, Come down, let me sleep with you. What will you give me to sleep with you, she asked. I'll send you a young goat from my flock, he said. Will you give me something to pledge until you send it, she asked. He said, What pledge should I give you? Your seal and its cord and the staff in your hand, she answered. So he gave them to her and slept with her, and she became pregnant by him. After she left, she took her veil and off her veil and put on her widow's clothes again. Now, I want you to notice that. That's an important fact. She was not a prostitute indiscriminately sleeping with everyone. She removes her widow clothes only to get Judah's attention. She knows that only Judah has the authority to change her situation. She allows him to lay with her, but rather than immediate payment, takes a pledge for future payment. In this case, his staff and seal on its cord. Why? Because these are the symbols of Judah's identity. How ironic. You see, Judah has lost not just his identity in that way. He is the leader of his clan, is responsible for the people under his care, especially the vulnerable. He has a responsibility to his family and community. And in the case of Tamar, he has failed. So he sends someone to search for her, to pay her. But she's disappeared. How embarrassing. He would look like a laughingstock if people found he had been taken advantage of by a prostitute. So he decides to keep the matter quiet. Have you ever heard this quote from Sir Walter Scott? Oh, what a tangled web we weave when first we practice to deceive. So what now? We have Tamar, a widow, who has committed incest with her father-in-law, an offense punishable by death. Not only that, but about three months later, Jude was told, your daughter-in-law Tamar is guilty of prostitution, and as a result, she is now pregnant. Well, Judah is outraged and commands her to be brought to him and be burned for her sinful behavior. But she's prepared for that and sends him back his staff and seal with a note. A 
as she was being brought out, she sent a message to her father-in-law. I am pregnant by the man who owns these, she said. And she added, see if you recognize whose seal and cord and staff these are. Judah recognized them and said, she is more righteous than I, since I wouldn't give her to my son, Sheila. And he did not sleep with her again. The Hebrew word for righteous in this verse is sadakah. The um, commentary that I read says his guilt-admitting recognition that Tamar had been more righteous, sadakah, then he means that Tamar it has done justice to the relationship in a way that he is not in failing to give her his son. Have you ever been brought up short, confronted with something you've said or done? Not a very comfortable feeling, is it? That's where Judah is right now. He will not sleep with her again. His child will replace the one that his son, Onan, should have given her. And Tamar is vindicated at this point and reestablished in Judah's family as shown by the fact that her children are listed in the part, the, as part of the tribe of Judah. So we can probably assume that Judah will provide food and shelter for her and his son, i.e. Ur's son, until they grow old enough to take over. Justice has been served, but at great risk to Tamar's life. Now, until now, you've seen that Judah is clearly living with a double standard for men and women, but now there is a new norm for him. One that seems to be echoed by Jesus in Luke 12. From everyone who has been given much, much will be demanded. And from the one who has been entrusted with much, much more will be asked. Judah was the one who had been given much, and thus from him more is asked. Job spoke of the demands of righteousness for those who have the means, as Judah did. If I have denied the desires of the poor or let the eyes of the widow grow weary, if I have kept my bread to myself, not sharing it with the fatherless, but from my youth I reared them as a father would, if I have seen anyone perishing for lack of clothing or the needy without garments, and their hearts did not bless me for warming them with the fleece from my sheep, if I have raised my hand against the fatherless, knowing that I had influence in court, then let my arm fall from the shoulder, let it be broken off at the joint. For I dreaded destruction from God, and for fear of his splendor, could not do such things. A righteous man looks after the poor, the helpless, the widows and orphans. Judah is called by his position as head of his clan to risk all for the sake of his community, and he unlike Job, had failed. 
His is the sin of self-centeredness, looking after his private interest at the expense of his community. But in his confession and action to make things right, he redeems himself. You see, God's justice and purpose will always, ultimately, triumph. And we know in later stories of Judah that he has indeed learned a lesson and becomes the leader of his clan that he was created to be. But back to Tamar, what happens next? As we know from the biblical history of this family, Abraham's descendants often have twins, and guess what? So does Tamar. Zira and Perez, two boys. And again, as in previous generations, Zira is declared firstborn, but is Perez whom God has chosen to carry forth the promise of the clan. It will be through Judah's tribe and the line of his son Perez that King David will descend and ultimately Jesus. In fact, Tamar is specifically mentioned in the genealogy of Jesus. Though Judah did not keep his promise to Tamar, God's ongoing promise to Abraham would be fulfilled. Though the characters in this story and throughout the Bible are not always perfect or trustworthy, God is. The royal lineage is not just happenstance. God's purpose will be carried through despite the imperfections of his chosen vessels. Thank God for that. I'm always amazed at the way God can use even our mistakes to get us to the right place for his purpose to be fulfilled. Have you ever had that happen? Even when you've messed up, God has worked it so that you end up in the right place at the right time for his purpose. I know there have been many times in my own life when I've made wrong, potentially harmful choices, things that have, could, have, could have derailed God's call on my life. And despite my willfulness and rebellion, God never left me on my own never left me to my own devices, my self-imposed dangers. God was always there, calling me back, protecting me, despite myself. He never let me go, just as he never let Tamar or Judah go. Because God always has a plan. What about you? Think back to the decisions you have made. They really weren't in your or God's best interest. Did he ever lead you astray? Did he ever condemn you for your choices? Or was he always there, redirecting you toward the abundant life he promises? No matter what we've done, what wrong turns we've made, God still has a plan for us, a purpose for us. God loves us, favors us. That's what grace means. 
And that love and mercy is never taken away no matter what road we travel. God gave his only son, Jesus, to be, die on the cross and rise again in order to give us new life, to patch the roads we create or that others have created for us. There's nothing you can do to make God love you any less. There's no road so broken that God can't repair or replace it. So to whom will you turn in times of distress when you find yourself on the broken road? Who will you trust to take care of you and patch that broken road? Tamar trusted Judah, but he initially failed her as all humans can. We only have one who is totally trustworthy and righteous, and his name is Jesus. Will you offer your life and problems to him and accept his invitation to new life? Will you let him set you on a road of his choosing, a road to a new abundant life? As we close our service, I want you to know that you are welcome to come to the steps to pray or in your seats, or we will have a person back there in the prayer corner who will be willing to pray with you. Let us pray. Lord God, thank you that you don't leave us to our own devices. Thank you that you don't lead us on our broken roads, but work to rebuild the roads, patch the roads, to bring us to a new road. We praise you and we give you all that we have knowing that all that we have has come for you and you want only the best for us. So take us this day, speak to our hearts and souls and call, call us to the road that you have prepared. We ask this in the name of the Father and of the Son and in the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you for joining us for our podcast. For more information about Connection Community Church in Middletown, Delaware, please visit our website at justshowup.church. You can also call our church offices at 302-378-7692. Connection Community Church, connecting people with Jesus and the life he offers.